Hello, everyone. This is Patriot. Now, before we begin the show tonight, I just wanted to remind everybody how important it is that everybody out there who's a Patriot takes a moment to think about reallocating their financial resources to align with their political and their spiritual values. This is very, very important, folks. You've heard me talk about this many, many times, and I have a perfect solution for everybody out there to stop funding the big box conglomerates by going and doing your shopping at places like Walmart and Target for your personal and your household products. The company that I'm working with, switch-stores.com slash Patriot Underground, gives you an opportunity to do all of your shopping with the good guys. They have the best products out there, folks, non-toxic, absolutely incredible, manufactured in the United States. They compete directly with the cabal corporations. They have a 90 plus percent customer retention rate. What does that tell you? They have great prices. They have great customer service. And most of all, they have great products that are going to absolutely blow you away. Now, I'm telling you, folks, this is really important. It's incumbent upon us as patriots to do our part in defunding the cabal and taking away their ability to continue to funnel money into causes that are really designed to kill us. It is our responsibility. So click that link in the description of the video, switch-stores.com slash Patriot Underground. You'll be glad you did. I promise you, folks. Now enjoy the show. Patriot out. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is January 13th, 2024. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. As always, I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So tonight, I'm very excited. This is my first live Q&A session, and I have a few of my great supporters on Locals who have joined me tonight to Get us going and uh, hit me with some questions, and I'm going to do the best I can to provide the the response that uh, I guess uh, is on the tip of my brain. I can't promise I'm going to answer every question, but I'll do the best that I can, and I'm going to also take some questions from the audience. So I'm really excited to connect it. This is actually one of my favorite formats: is just having an opportunity to chat with my audience and and really uh, hopefully get into some substantive issues tonight. So I have uh, Cheryl here with me. Uh, she's joining us along with Dookie and with Brian, and we also had Awakened One a moment ago. I'm not sure uh, if she uh, is going to be back on the call, but hopefully she will be in just a moment. Uh, oh, yeah, I think there she is. Okay, so Awakened One is also uh, joining us. going to be back on the call, oh, but hopefully on, she will second. be in just a moment. Uh, oh, yeah, I think there she is. Yeah, I got to kill my volume on the other stream there. Okay, so... All right, guys. So thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Uh, like I always say, you know, I'm not uh, an expert. You know, I always remind my audience I'm just uh, an ordinary American who decided to get behind that microphone and share my perspective. And along the way, I've certainly learned a lot of things. I've done a lot of research, uh, but uh, not being an expert and doing a live Q&A session, you know, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I never really know uh, what to expect, what sort of questions I'm going to get. But like I say, uh, you know, I do the very best I can to to give you my my opinion and uh, remind folks they always have to do their own research. But uh, and, you know, I'm certainly curious to hear from my audience, you know, what you guys are thinking about, what's on your mind. Uh, you hear me talking a lot about a lot of different issues, but this is why, uh, you know, I like to do these formats, because it gives me an opportunity to really hear directly from you. And it, it does inform my work in a lot of ways. So uh, thank you guys once again for joining us. Thank you, everybody out there. I, I'm going to keep my eye on the chat tonight and uh, take some questions from all of you. So uh, I guess I'll turn it over to my panel here and uh, ask uh, any one of you to get us started and, uh, you know, give me a question and uh, we'll see where this goes. 
All right, Dookie, go ahead. Yeah, um, I was um, so impressed the other day, you and um, Kerry Cassidy, that podcast was awesome. I loved it. And um, you guys really, really hit on some really interesting topics. Um, well, of course, you know, I, I'm fascinated with anything spiritual, the spirituality aspect of it. But then again, you guys, you know, really, you, you know, I love Carrie because she calls it like she sees it, right? You know, mm-hmm. she <laughs> she so gets that. right down there, and it's almost like, uh, pardon the my, my, the expression, but shit or get off the pot. And mm-hmm. I think that's that that's probably what's forefront in all of our minds right now. And, uh, Right. And then the other thing is, you know, what in the hell's going on with the border? I mean, how much of this can we take? Right. So. um, All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, as far as Carrie goes, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I I think that uh, she will admit to you very, very honestly that, you know, she knows she's a a sort of divisive figure. She's a kind of polarizing figure for that reason. I mean, she does tell it like it is. Uh, well, at least let, let's put it this way. She she tells it like it is as far as she's concerned. I and mean, when it gets into certain uh, topics like uh, religion, uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, she she certainly likes to go on diatribes against uh, organized <laughs> religion and Christianity. And, you know, I mean, normally I don't really, uh, you know, get in the way of that. I just, you know, allow her to 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 voice her opinion. It's 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 no secret. Anyone who listens to Carrie Cassidy knows that she is. uh you know, she's very outspoken about, you know, the way that she views the spiritual realm and the way that she views God. Um, you know, I did say to her at the end of our conversation, though, it's it's uh, one of those things where, you know, no matter how much you uh, try to convince people, they're just going to go on believing what they believe. And, you know, going on uh, diatribes about, uh, you know, why it's a bad thing isn't going to change anybody's mind and she she readily admits that but that's the thing about Carrie is that she uh she's not afraid to 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 forcefully and and very passionately uh express her views and I love that about her I don't agree with her on everything uh certainly I mean folks now I'm a believer I'm a Christian I don't uh, uh view my platform necessarily as I've said as a a rallying point necessarily for Christians it's never really been about uh, that's not what really my show has been about from the beginning. It's just been a truth pursuit, of, a pursuit of truth. And as far as I'm concerned, there's so many great people out there who may not share my faith, but we're all in a, in a place right now where we're learning, we're searching for truth. We're searching for justice. There are so many things that unite us as opposed to divide us. Uh, you know, she was talking about uh, that specifically, I think in the context of uh, Juan O'Savin, because of course she's very heavily invested in, you know, following Juan. And I think that that is a big stumbling block for her in terms of, you know, uh, the shows that he chooses to go on and so forth. But I love Carrie and I do appreciate that. I thought it was a great conversation. I mean, every time that I have her on the show, uh, it's always uh, interesting, bare minimum. <laughs> and uh, I think yesterday was a good one. And as far as the border goes, I mean, how long this is going to go on, how long we can sustain this type of a situation. I think we all agree at this point we're at that we're at that tipping point where it really can't go on much longer. The only question is, how is it going to get resolved? And we saw the situation where, you know, even though it's a small area that Texas has moved in there and has, has taken control of that, I think it's called Eagles Pass, if I'm not mistaken, 
and uh, you know that's a big step in the right direction. We'll have to see where this goes. I mean, obviously the the feds are going to try to fight it tooth and nail, and this could be a situation you never know uh, that uh, could unravel very quickly. It could lead to uh, depending upon how how much the states want to push it and how how loyal they are to the Constitution. Who Greg Abbott really is? There's a lot of debate about. <laughs> you know, yeah. him and, and where, uh, who, whose side he's really working for. So I, you know, I have to kind of keep that in the back of my mind, but I see that as at least a positive development that we're seeing state government start to push back and not just push back, but forcefully move in and tell the feds that um, they have no business there. And this could lead to a very interesting showdown potentially. I mean, I don't really necessarily, uh, I don't think any of us really know how this is going to go, but uh my question has always been about the border. What role is it going to play in this sort of near-death experience, this precipice uh, of destruction or whatever you want to call it, the scare event? Now, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that we could say about that. Um, the more time goes on, and I think I talked about this on a recent show, I think that I'm starting to go back to the cue drops and really – go back to what brought me along on along the way on this journey to begin with and cross-reference that, I suppose, with everything that's out there, all these different narratives, because the deeper we get into this process, there are more and more people that are coming forward with all of these narratives, and it's very confusing to people. And even folks out there who have been, uh, I guess you could say, pushing a certain narrative for a while, they start to kind of move in a different direction or at least make statements that kind of appear contrary to what they've said in the past. It's very confusing to people. So for me, I've gone back to the Q drops and I've, I've really kind of done a lot of reflecting on this. And yes, I do believe we're going to have, I mean, Q told us we're going to have a scare event. He told us that, or the Q team told us that we had to basically, I forget the exact phrasing, but only at the precipice will people find the will to change. And I've always seen that as going hand in hand. Those two things have to happen. Now, what form it's going to take on, that's anybody's guess. My perspective on this is that it's always it's it's pretty much always been my perspective is that we've got the the financial sector, that storm cloud that's brewing. We've got the geopolitical storm clouds that are brewing. It seems like we're moving closer and closer to I mean, we have the U.S. Uh, and the U.K. have uh, attacked the Houthi rebels. So that situation is heating up. So it seems like we're moving closer and closer to that, um, I guess you could say, that standoff that people are talking about, that potential Cuban Missile Crisis sort of moment Mm -hmm. there, where it's going to be exposed, I think. I think it's going to be a standoff if it does go down this way on multiple different levels. Number one, it's going to be a standoff between nation states. Do I think it's pantomime? Do I think that there are back channels that are going to prevent it from becoming nuclear and going hot? Absolutely, like I've said all along. But I think there's going to be that element of it where there's the nation state level standoff, but there's also going to be the standoff within the military itself. And that's going to be, I think, the moment when Biden is exposed as actually not being in control and actually not having the nuclear codes, the nuclear Mm. football. I think that's going to be part of that standoff moment. Uh, Well, so like I said, we've got that geopolitical situation, the financial situation, and like you talked about, the border. And what role is this going to play? And this is cer- certainly something that I've been very concerned about all along. I think all of us have been. But we've seen over the past few years that the border has just gotten flooded with more and more and more. We're up to over 10 million since yeah. fake Biden took over. Yeah. And so you have to ask this question, you know, 
if we believe that there's a military operation going on, which we do, I, I think all of us wouldn't be here if we didn't. And we know that there are forces of good. There are military forces that have a plan. They're not just going off half cocked here, that this is a plan that's been decades in the making. One would have to think that they have operations in play at the border. Now, to what degree, to what level, that is something we could debate all day long. There are some folks who think that these many of these individuals are being brought in by the White Hat specifically to help when this crisis moment happens. There are a lot of folks out there who, which is kind of more what I'm inclined to believe is that not necessarily that every single one that's coming in is is here for good reason, but that the White Hats have significantly infiltrated these groups. They've mm. tracked them. They've given them phones. They've given them many. There are many, many different ways that they can track these individuals. There's also, of course, the backdrop of, you know, the question of the QFS and Nassar and Jassar. And is that going to be really the, the impetus that brings people back to their home countries? You know, the many people who are here uh, who, may, you know, may be here for the right reasons, but they, you know, they had to go back home in order to participate in that. So the question about the border and whether or not we're going to see a massive uh, sleeper attack is that remains to be seen. Um, I certainly think that it's very much a possibility, but I'm not going to go all in on that and necessarily say that it's imminent or that the White Hats, and, and, if, and if it is, then I certainly believe that the White Hats have strategies to prevent mm -hmm. what I've said all along, which is the civil war that they've made very clear that this plan has been designed to avoid that. And so yeah. if we have if, if American citizens or really any citizens around the world are put in a situation where they have no choice but to fight for their safety, for their, you know, and ultimately for their freedom, um, that's going to be by any measure, it's going to be a war. It, it, you could call it a revolutionary war. You could call it a civil war. To me, it's kind of semantics at that point, because ultimately, at the end of the day, I believe that the Q operation has been. Yes, it's been a positive psyop by the good guys to educate all of us to start this movement but it's also mm -hmm. been an, an operation a military operation a global operation that's been decades in the making to avoid having this worldwide conflagration not just between nation states into nuclear war but within nation states and, and devolving into civil war especially here in america because i mean there are a lot of folks who uh, i think very have very strong arguments to say if we if we ever did go down that road of civil war in 2024 with all the guns we have and, and given as divided as this country, I think we're divided less than we were. But, you know, certainly going back to 2020, as divided as we were, we may not have come back from that. That may have caused such deep divisions in our society and, and such deep scars that we never would have come together again as a nation. And I think that's a big part uh, of what this is all about. This is a project to unify the American people to unify the people of the world. And so I, yes, I see the threat at the border. I'm just as concerned as everybody is. And I do think we're at a stage now where we can't allow, we have to, I mean, we have to be very, very vocal and we have to do our yeah. part to say, look, we can't allow this to continue. And there is a certain point where things are going to tip. And we're already, I think, starting to see that with, uh, with Texas pushing back and, yeah. At a certain point, even if the government didn't do it, even if the states didn't step in, you know that American citizens are going to step in. Because yeah, that, you hear Mike and Jaco, he was spouting off the past few days also. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have yeah, a lot of respect for him. I really, And I understand. Hey, I understand. Understand exactly where they're all coming from. I think we all feel like that. You know, we just don't have the the voice. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why it's I think scary. It's scary. 
It's important. And then you hear all this stuff about Austin, like, where is he? (laughs) Well, that's a whole other subject, right? That's enough. Yeah, no, that's another (laughs) another tangent. Yeah, there's there's so many, there's so many um, points that you can hit on. And and then there's always the, the, the whole spirituality aspect. And I think that that is the basis of everything, personally. That's just my own opinion. And, you you know, personally, I don't care whether it's God or whatever name you want to give our creator or source. We are the children of the creator. So, um, and what I find refreshing, and and I really see it in this past uh, few years, is that more people are becoming spiritually aware. And I think that's refreshing and it's uh, encouraging. And I think throughout all of this, all of the crap that we've been through and are going through, that if we don't have that firm spiritual footing, you know, we're like a, a ball bouncing out on the ocean with no direction, right? So that I, I think we have to always, you know, go back to our creator, to source, you know, God, Lord, the Lord, whatever. It doesn't matter what name names are nothing you know that we realize that uh we are spiritual beings and i think we're all here for a purpose right so absolutely absolutely it's the core of it all uh, that's why to me you know the the divisions of religion i think that you know in some ways carrie is kind of you know i think she's coming from a good place because she's trying to oh yeah oh god yes you know she's trying to break people's programming I think that's exactly. where she's coming from. She's yes. trying to kind of, but she, you know, I mean, if you go in and you, you know, you try to, you know, cram it in there and, 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 and <laughs> take that approach. I mean, it usually, uh, it kind of backfires. We all know that. Right. Yeah. But yeah. that's the thing she's passionate about it. But, you know, but the point is, is that it is, it's a spiritual uh, awakening. That's really what this whole yeah. experience is about. And that's why I became so passionate in, in that portion of the conversation we started talking about, you know, because she's, um, you know, she's, uh, has a lot of sources. Carrie's been around for a lot of yeah. a long time, and uh, you know, fortunately now, I mean, she's uh, she she shares certain information with me, and you know, she tells me not to mention things I don't you know talk about it. But she actually brought this up uh, during our uh, conversation the other day um, that you know she had basically ho- heard from one of her sources that uh, the White Hats weren't going to uh, tell us the truth about what's happened. You know, that they weren't going to reveal what's really gone down. Uh, or at least they weren't going to reveal the whole truth. And I think that uh, that's that's what really oh, that's sets me off. Uh, you know, <laughs> I hear things along those lines because I get really upset about that. And like I say, yeah. you, you, you can you can do it artfully, but you have to give us the truth, because otherwise this isn't a great awakening. If we're going to stay in the dark and there are going to still be individuals who uh, make determinations about who we as sovereign beings, sovereign spiritual beings, as you point out. Mm, uh, that's who, the other side of the same coin. Yeah, they can't You're make trying to keep us in the dark. That's just <laughs> yeah, man. No, and that's that's not, that's not what this is about, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to uh, anybody else, Brian, uh, Cheryl, uh, anyone. Uh, you guys can can jump right in. Uh, ask a question. Ask away. Um, I don't really have a question, except I'd like to start out by saying thank you for everything you've done. I found you right from the beginning. Somehow, you know, just came up on YouTube probably or a rumble where you came up in the, uh, you know, because I watch everything else. Uh, 
So I absolutely love how you put everything together and you're really clear and concise and you make it easy for people to digest. So I really thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. You know, we're, we're all just speculating. (laughs) That's all we're ever doing. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything. Yeah. And, and Q said it had to be that way, but the people who are awake and are following are at least going to be more prepared than the people who aren't. And, you know, it's like a cavity. Things have cavities don't arise when the dentist tells you you have a cavity, you've had a cavity for years, right? So the plan has been in motion for years and it's about to come to a precipice and that precipice is going to cause a lot of pain and suffering. And I don't remember which Q post it was. I actually have the Q board open. Um, but they, in one of the Q posts, it says basically, thank you, patriots, for the ones who don't make it. They know that people are going to die in this precipice of destruction, but they're casualties of war. And uh, I, I don't, I don't want to name drop, but everybody here knows the person that I'll probably mention. There was a show, TV show called Person of Interest. Jim Caviezel was a star. And I happened to be his personal trainer back oh. in 2014 when he lived here in New York City. And he's one of my best friends currently. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and I, cool. I talk to him all the time. And I red pilled Jim. I re- remember we're talking about Jesus Christ. And I was on the table massaging him because I, I trained him and I kept him healthy. Um, and I was massaging him one night. He was face down on the table and we had had a very strong connection due to my life and his life and all these. One of, one of the best moments in the show happened to be shot in my high school. I went to a high school called Blessed Sacrament in New Rochelle and the archdiocese shut down like 80 schools after all the pedophilia. They had to pay like $80 billion or whatever. And I told him, Jim, you shot this, the most poignant part of the show where the malevolent AI chose a young boy to be the avatar. And they had a woman being the avatar for the benevolent AI, which they called the machine. And they were having this confrontation and it was in my high school that they had shut down. And I'm like, Jim, you're not going to believe this, but you just shot the show in, in my high school. And I said, you know, I have something to tell you, but I don't know how you're going to respond to it. And I'm scared. And he looked up at me and he goes, just say it. We're friends. So I said, what would you say if I told you the devil sits in St. Peter's throne? And he said, keep talking. And then we, we went on this thing. And I told him about everything I knew about the Catholic church, not the people who believe in the message, but there's a section. So long story short, um, I've been red pilled since 08 and uh, Jim is obviously very connected. And there are part, almost everything about that show is exactly what's happening. Juan said, they're using, they're augmenting AI to serve the White Hat's purpose. And there's a and there's a malevolent AI, which Kerry talks about all the time. I've been following Kerry for 10 years. Um, and, er, you know, and everybody. And, and 
no matter what happens, it's out of our control. It's all being gamed out, right? All we can do is protect ourselves. That's all we can do. Everything else we're going to talk about is speculation. And it's going to come to a level where it's going to get crazy. And Q said there are 17 cities. Maybe maybe could be lost, but also could be fighting. I live in Manhattan. I, I saw what BLM and Antifa did during COVID. I can only imagine what's going to happen when the food runs sh- happen. The prices are already going out of, out of control. So there's going to be breakout riots and the news is going to continue to make it seem like they're the MAGA supporters. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got my food. I got my water. I don't have any weapons. First of all, I wouldn't want to kill anybody. I mean, I'd have to defend myself if I had to, but you know, I'm a wrestler, but I still don't want to have to take up arms. And in New York, you can't even get a gun anyway. If I wanted to now, it'd be impossible. So all I'm basically throwing out there now is that you can only be prepared for yourself. We can ask all the questions we want, even out of you. You can give us your opinion, but it's all speculation. And we have to actually try to remain as loving as we can to even the people who were brainwashed. My wife is one of them. My wife won't talk about this. She doesn't believe in it. She thinks Donald Trump's a pedophile. I mean, I live, you know, I've been with her for eight years and she's never wanted to discuss this. And so we don't talk about it at all because otherwise it won't go in the right direction. So, you know, I'm sure we all have this experience where we're living with people around us. You talk about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have any questions for you. I just have observations and I've, I've been following Juan since the beginning. And one observation I'd like to talk about, which I don't think many people would probably know is, Somehow I found him in the beginning. I started following Q five months after it came out. And the only reason I found out is because I didn't vote for President Trump in 2016 because I thought he's part of the deep state. He's a billionaire. And I didn't know about it back then. And, and I grew up, I'm 54 years old. I grew up born in 69. I grew up in a Reagan household. And then I went to Hunter College that was completely liberal. And I got brainwashed. And I went down the Clinton route. And then all of a sudden, I was a liberal and I was a Democrat, registered as a Democrat, all that stuff. And then I became independent. So in 2016, I didn't vote for him. But then I found Q. And then I started reading his executive orders. And as soon as I read the first one, I said, oh, my God. And then every other executive order, I said, oh, my God, every single executive order is for the people. How could this be wrong? How could it be? He, how could he be on the other side? Plus, the deep state, those people, they never address God. They never talk about God and being spiritual. It's always they'll throw it out just to give you a little maybe they, they're on your side. But you watch how they act. You watch C-SPAN. You see uncut footage. And then you're like, wait, they have to hide what they have to give you what they're talking about but they hide it and then and he wasn't hiding it oh, the light just went out and and he wasn't hiding it at all he wasn't hiding anything he's actually talking about everything that you think you believe in and of course there are always times i thought well maybe it could, i had to be a little skeptical maybe it is a psyop right but now i don't believe that at all and 
And when I found Juan, he was on Jennifer Mack's channel. He wasn't really talking. I know he talked, he's been talking for years, but he was talking on Jennifer's channel. And this is crazy, but I heard him say this. And I told Jim, I said, I heard Juan say that when they took the last alien implant out of his brain, he became the Q. I heard him say it. I'm very smart. I remember everything. And, and then her channel got taken down literally weeks later. They took the whole thing down and there was no more video evidence of him saying that. I heard him say that, but, and I, and I believe I'm, I'm right because it was only weeks ago where he talked on Nino's channel, because I'm a member of Nino's channel, uh, where he said about implants, even that shooter in Michigan where, who was writing notes all over his car and said, I'm not a killer. And then Juan said, yeah, they can implant these thoughts into your brain. And I heard him say this and I tie all these things together. There was another talk he had with Nino. They were at Trump Tower. Nino was facing the camera. Juan was facing out. You could see the reflection. And he said to Nino, Nino, I could be sitting right next to you and you wouldn't even know it wasn't me. And then I was like, Jim, that's exactly what is going on in person of interest. He's an avatar. So he might even be in a fat suit. I don't even think that's possible. He could literally be, that person could be a clone and JFK Jr. could be speaking through him. They have technology that's so far above our head that you have to actually think outside the box. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I've had these thoughts and I've told Jim all about them because I've been following a tooth and nail. And I just wanted to say that it's over our heads. The only thing I know or I don't know is that we have to believe in the mission, trust the plan. And I believe they're here to help us, but God forbid you're in the way of the destruction. Q said, God bless all of you Q followers who patriots who are casualties of war. Just like in the beginning opening scene of Gladiator, when Quintus says, move the count, move the front line back. And Maximus says, nope, they know what they're here for. And there's an acceptable, they know what they're here for. It's acceptable if people die. And that's exactly what's happening because the AI knows that that's the only way. The only way to take down this Goliath is people are going to be in the way because you can't show people. I mean, you can't tell people you got to show them. And that's kind of just what I wanted to say. I'm sorry if I took too long. No, no, no. You made some really ac excellent points and you have, you have a really cool uh, story as well. Uh, that that's, that's really interesting that you're, uh, that you've trained, uh, that you trained Jim Caviezel and you guys are really close and friendly. I'm sure you probably hear some interesting information uh, just simply by virtue of that. That's really interesting. And, I mean, I've heard Juan going back to, you know, some of his interviews that are like 10 years old. And I remember there was one specifically where he touched upon topics that you would never, ever hear him talk about now. About the moon and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. About the moon and talking yeah. about sort of the, the same uh, basic concept that the consciousness resides outside the body and, the, and that the human body is in essence and can and is an avatar and. And the, right. that you know um it was it was kind of mind-blowing to me when when uh, somebody shared that on my telegram and i saw that and i was like wow yeah you know, because this these are things that you really don't ever hear juan talking about i, mean, I think in that interview he he said the moon is a spaceship or something i heard that lines. i don't know if that was a direct quote but it, that's certainly what he meant 
uh, I'm not taking it out of context. So, I mean, it was, it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely true what you said. And I think it's, it's, it's very grounding to have these types of conversations with that in mind that none of us really know the, the truth about what's going to happen at an, at an operational level. I mean, we have all of the research, we come together, we pool our brain power, we pool our, our different resources, the individuals that we talk to, you know, and our own perspectives on things. There's a certain element of imagination, I, th I guess you could say, that that goes into all of this because we're speculating about things. And I think we can get a little bit closer to triangulating what we're likely to expect, but we're certainly never going to get to a point because Q said there's no outside comms. They're not, they're not going to tell. They're not going to operate that way. Even Trump said, you know, we're never going to uh, telegraph our moves. You know, we're never going to tell the enemy when we're going to attack, but attack we will. And we all know that he was talking about going after the deep state. That was the enemy right from the very beginning. Trump defined the greatest threat to this country, even in, in his early campaign days. I mean, certainly there were a lot of different elements to it, but really, in essence, the, the deep state and introduce the masses to this this concept a lot of people really hadn't even heard that term and now it's a it's a household term everybody knows what it means even the people out there who think it's a conspiracy theory they know what it means and they're i think they're slowly starting to realize that uh the conspiracy theorists are we're doing pretty well i think it was um i saw a clip of uh Aaron Rodgers recently talking about how, you know, people calling him a conspiracy theorist. And he's like, well, hey, bring that on. I mean, the conspiracy theorists have just been racking up the winds, you know, over the past couple of years. I mean, you call someone that now. I mean, it's like not only does it make you look foolish, but it's like a badge of honor. You yeah. know, it's amazing how you look at that stuff. I found out I actually posted this on uh, on my Telegram the other day that I got um, I just happened to stumble upon uh, chat GPT in the course of my work. And, uh, you know, I just typed in Patriot Underground just to see. And this is the version going back to 2022. And, it, you know, it, it just basically says we can't talk about this individual. Sorry. You know, he's, you know, I mean, if you type in other people and if you type in like Gene Decode or, you know, type in Wano Sav and it'll tell you that, oh, they're associated with these far right conspiracies or whatever. But with me, they're just like, no, we're not even going to go there. Uh, try again. <laughs> and I look at that honestly as like, you know, it's, I, I think it's a badge of honor. I mean, I think it's 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 pretty awful in a sense that we've gotten to that point in our <laughs> I never imagined growing up that that I would live in a, in, a, in my own country and, and be persecuted to such an extent that I can't even speak my, you know, my my version of, you know, or my my opinion. I was going to say my version of the truth, which really is the truth. But even if you don't want to believe in it, my opinion that the fact that they've choked down the conversation and cut it off to such a degree is sad. But the good news is that they can't shut us up. I mean, we, we're always going to continue to, to find platforms. I mean, do I necessarily 100% trust the ones that are out there right now that are that I'm still on? No, but they've, uh, you know, <laughs> They've they've stood by me. I mean, I've been on Rumble now for quite some time, BitChute, and there are others that, you know, if those go down, there will be others. We're, they're never going to ultimately stop this movement from happening. And, and uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of took that in a different direction there. But, yeah, thank you, uh, Brian, for those thoughts. That was really interesting and uh, really cool uh, in, information that you shared with us. So uh, how about um, uh, does anyone else, Sarah, how you doing? Sarah, you <laughs> Hello, hello. Hi. I'm hey, having so many, so many technical difficulties tonight. Sorry for being late. Oh, that's okay. No worries. <laughs> no worries. So, so Cheryl, happy to be here. Yeah, either of you or, or uh, I, I think it was, was it Awakened One? I can't remember what, what you go by. I, I, it was Awakened something, right? <laughs> yes, Awakened One. 
awaken one. So either, and um, if any of you have a question or a topic you want to bring up to talk about even, uh, you know, go for it. Don't be shy. Just jump right in. I got one. Um, it was one I asked you last time, actually, but we, we didn't get to air it. So I thought, let's, let's ask it again. Cause I think it's, I mean, it's timely. Um, so I had asked you, you know, we're always talking about on our roundtables and stuff like helping family wake up and and what that journey looks like now, what that journey looks like after disclosure and, you know, just as as this war hopefully is coming to an end. But what, you know, what would you say to to people just waking up? You know, where would you send them? What's the book? What's the what's the video? What's what's the walkthrough look like for Patriot? <laughs> well, that's actually a, that's a really good question it's not an easy question to answer no for you sure. know it really is difficult to answer because that's uh you know i think that's part of the reason why there are so many of us out there who are doing similar work to what i'm doing uh you know people out there who are talking about the truth and i think that i look at it you know from a spiritual perspective in in terms of the way that that God set this whole thing up, regardless of your religious persuasions, that, that it it seems to me pretty obvious that there's a movement going on, and there's a, a force behind all of it that's that's greater than all of us that pushed us in this direction, that brought all of us together, that continues to show up whenever we have these conversations. Uh, and I look at that as you know, really from a spiritual perspective, as you know it's important that everybody out there finds a voice that they resonate with. And I think if somebody's brand new, uh, that's really, I think what most people do instinctually is when they realize that they've been lied to by the mainstream media and they're finally ready to start branching out and, and getting closer to the truth and exploring at least different narratives. That's exactly what they do. They go to places like, you know, who knows Infowars was my first stop on my journey. I've since moved on from that. I don't really listen to that anymore, but uh, you know, I, you know, it was, a, I, I don't look back on it with, um, you know, with any uh, sort of negative feelings, because as far as I'm concerned, regardless of whoever Alex Jones is and whoever he's working for, and that's debatable, uh, he red-pilled me a long time ago uh, on a lot of issues. So, you know, um, that was part of my journey. A lot of people, uh, you know, they, they go that route. Other people are just going to stumble. I mean, I, I've had so many people write to me or comment and say that, you know, they just found me by accident, you know, that they just kind of stumbled on one of my videos one day. A lot of people, I think in the early uh, stages of my podcast, I've said this many times that I have a lot of gratitude for uh, people like Gene Decode, especially who came on my show and it was um, pretty new. I mean, I was only, I think I only had a few hundred subscribers when Gene uh, decided he was going to come on and, you know, I had written to him, just asked him if there were any books, like kind of similar to what you just asked me, you know, we're, you know, in the right direction, you know, and he was like, how about I just come on your show? And, you know, it just, so, I mean, it's just sort of, that's the way that it goes. I think is that people um, are going to go on their journey. Yeah. That journey. I don't think any one of us could really sort of, uh, you know, write a prescription for it, you know, and, <laughs> and say, here's what you want to do. Um, I, I certainly would say if you're new, if you're recently awakened, then the number one thing I would say to people is welcome and congratulations, mm -hmm. you know, and and, and uh, I, better late than never. That's the way I look at it. And I still have people. And that's one of the things that that really boosts my faith and boosts my my passion to continue to do this. If you really want the truth is that I continue to have people, uh, not just new 
you know, subscribers, subscribers to my channel, but people who actually indicate to me that they literally woke up within the last like several months or the last several weeks, even. So people still are. And that's oh, yeah. amazing because there are a lot of people out there, including myself, who was inclined to believe many times along the way of my own journey that if you haven't woken up by now, you're never going to get it. <laughs> But guess what? That's not the way it works. That's that's just simply not the truth. That was my version. That's where I was. But that's not where everybody is. People are all over the place They're You know, they have so many different uh, so many different walks of life, so many different circumstances that they're contending with. Um, and I think that that's why God brought together, uh, I guess you could say, an army of his of his people who I don't think most of us ever expected that we were going to be a part of this. We never expected that we were going to do podcasts and we were going to have conversations about the Great Awakening and we were going to be involved and engaged in the greatest moment in history of, in all of humanity. But that's exactly where we find ourselves. So I see that as a divine, uh, the, the divine force behind all of it that's pushing all of us together, that's continuing to propel all of us forward. And for people who are new, I mean, I think what it is, is that, you know, we're kind of it's kind of like we're all drops in the ocean. You know, and, and we all come together and, and the more people who come together, regardless of their background, regardless of their beliefs. I mean, I've said many times, if you're a good person then you belong here, you know, if you don't if you don't want to hurt kids, if you have justice in your heart instead of hatred in your heart, if you believe that, you know, if you ultimately believe in humanity. And I think for me, I think I mean, I have my my Christian beliefs, my religious beliefs. And and those are very important and deep to me. But I also think, you know, that I have a an overarching belief in humanity, even people who don't share my faith, because there was a time in my life that I didn't necessarily believe the things that I do now on a spiritual level. So it's hard for me to then say, how can I then judge people who uh, who don't see things the same way? They're just at a different point along the way in their journey. And that's just in a religious or spiritual context. And that's really what this is. I mean, like, you know, uh, Brian was talking about this is spiritual journey that we're all on. And so when people wake up, uh, they're going to be in for one heck of a tempest, one heck of a ride. I mean, at this point, uh, you know, we're in early 2024. This is a quite an interesting time to wake up, I, I suppose you could say, you know, before um, all of these events that we're probably going to talk about, or I've been talking about in one form or another now for such a long time, are going to come to pass. I think this is the year where so much of it is going to, uh, you know, people are just going to be forcibly awakened. And uh, that's a big part of, you know, what we talked about Q, and we mentioned that a little bit earlier, Brian said, you know, you can't, you can't tell people, you just can't. And and the thing of it is, is we can we can debate all day long the white hat tactics. We can debate all day long about our perspectives on different things. But I think all of us can agree, based upon our own experience, and even you, Sarah, I know had this experience, you know, with your dad. I mean, you you simply can't tell people. No. You know, you have to allow them to evolve into a place of uh, of higher consciousness. It, there's there's no way. I mean, we can what we can do is we can plant the seeds. We can put the information out there. We can do the best we can. But this is a I think it's a, a spiritual crossroads that people reach. And I think that they make decisions. It's still, I, I think awakening in many ways is tied to your free will and that you can be pushed into it. You can be led to it, but you have to choose it. And I think that's really what, where it, what it comes down to. I think, the, I think that God wants all of us to wake up. He wants all of us to acknowledge the truth. He wants all of it, but not everyone is going to make that decision because all of us know it wasn't an easy one to make. It's not an easy path to walk. I think we're going to get to the other side of it. And we're all, I mean, in essence, what we're doing is we're blazing a trail so that we're, the world is going to be a different place by the time that we're done. 
But that doesn't mean that, that the decision that we decided on to, to take this journey to begin with was an easy one. And that's why so many people don't. But I, but as circumstances get more and more dire, rather than whether or not you think it's real, fake, pantomime, anything in between, as we go into 2024, I mean, I think most people, like Brian said, you know, we're all going to be, you know, we've kind of prepared to the level that we can at this point, And we're all going to be put in a position, I think, where we're going to be forced into a closer relationship with God through this whole experience. I think this is going to be a very harrowing, very difficult, very scary experience, even for people who are awake. I really do. I've said that for a long time. I don't think that you can separate the knowledge and the understanding that we have and the lack of understanding that people have. I don't think you can separate that from this uh, this precipice that Q talks about. That that is necessary. It's not it's not about scaring people for the sake of scaring them or just jarring them to get their attention. It, there's many, many different reasons, but you have to you have to break that conditioning. And the only way you can do it is to put people through an experience, whether it's a simulation to a certain degree or whether it's real. And depending upon your perspective, I think it's going to feel very real, regardless of what happens, regardless of you know whether it's the the border whether it's a you know a standoff or whether it's you know a a financial crash or all of the above i think it's still going to feel very real even if it's uh, a situation that's uh, being controlled behind the scenes to the white hats to by the white hats to a large degree and that's always been my perspective i think we would have fallen apart quite a long time ago uh, if there wasn't this infrastructure this military infrastructure behind the scenes that was uh, protecting and, and ultimately you know, keeping society in one piece as we get closer and closer. And we can see the disclosure accelerating as we move forward. So I'll leave it at that. I so can go beautiful. on and on. But no, I'll, no, so beautiful. Thank you. What about uh, Awaken One or, or Cheryl? And by the way, um, I'm going to start taking some questions from the uh, from the audience in the chat, too. So, you know, I'll try to I'm trying to keep my eye on both things here. So if folks have some questions, uh, you can type them into the chat and I can uh, and and anyone uh, as I'm talking, if you guys want to kind of keep your eye on the chat as well, if you see a really good question, because I may miss one as in the course of my uh, responding, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to you know have you guys just uh, say, hey, that's a good question. Why don't you answer that one? So. I had something that uh, I wanted to point out about your interview with um, <clears throat> with Carrie and Mike Gill. And by the way, you did an awesome job on that. Moder you basically, you know, took the role of just moderating the conversation between Carrie and Mike. And it did get kind of heated. But you are so diplomatic that you you had them, you know, maintain their senses of humor and everything. But anyway, so um, well, I really didn't want to I didn't want to have to mute his mic. I mean, I kind of felt oh, like yeah. that was like, you know, it was a last resort for me. And I didn't I really did not want to do that because I really think that that's something that can be perceived in different ways. Like I'm trying to silence you or I'm trying to shut you off or anything. But he was I mean, you you saw the interview. He was so forceful that he he was actually just I mean, and I think a lot of it and I'll let you get to your question. I'm sorry, but I think a lot of it <laughs> coming from a good place with Mike. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I had to make sure that, that that at least a dialogue was taking place. But go ahead. Right. I, I You were perfect. Like you were perfect. And so and he understood, you know, he um, he didn't seem mad. 
But anyway, um, so what I got out of that whole thing was that Mike's big issue or one of his big issues with with General Flynn is that General Flynn blocked information that Mike Gill was trying to get to Trump about January, you know, one six. Right. And and so. Um, <clears throat> well, about the Pandora, uh, Pandora box is what you're referring to, right? Well, but also was he he kept saying that um, that he that wasn't he saying that he was trying to get information to Trump about um, to to prevent uh, information that was supposed to help prevent the, you know, insurrection riot and all that stuff? Or did I get that wrong? Well, according to the information that I remember, he said that it was back in uh, 2018 or something along those. But there was also that's the thing about Mike's story is that it's very difficult. This is why I wanted to do a one on one with him, because I wanted it to be the way I had envisioned the interview was that he would he and I would have a a conversation and I would sort of uh, allow him to lay out his story you know, in, in a very linear way because he jumps around a lot. But yeah. I th- we talked about um, in 2018 getting a text message, I think, from General Flynn or something along those lines. Um, so I'm not really sure exactly, to be honest with you, what the timeline exactly was. But he did say that General Flynn was involved with this operation to to basically take his evidence and, and to to divert it away from Trump. And mm-hmm. that would have prevented in in his in his point of view that it would have prevented uh, basically Trump having to concede. Uh, well, he didn't concede the election, but from from stepping away from the White House and, and all of these things. And, and it would have put him in a in a position where he would have been running the table and all of these things and would have saved him, as I think the way that, that Mike put it, it would have been a parachute for Trump. Now, exact the exact timeline, I have to be honest with you, I don't remember uh, specifically, there are probably people in the audience who would pro- would remember uh, a little bit better than I would. But yeah, go on. Well, I feel like I feel like he did. He like is no one even considering the possibility that that you know Trump was expecting all of this stuff to happen and it didn't need to be prevented because they sort of, they sort of wanted it to play out this way. You know what I mean? And this, and like, actually the same with Lahaina and Carrie, oh my God, Carrie is so worried about the kids in Lahaina. But the weird thing is, there's no parents complaining, you know, there's no plan. Like if I was a parent, I would be banging on doors, wondering where my kid was. And I have not heard from one single parent about that, about all those kids. So there's a massive cover up that's going on around Lahaina. I think that we, we can, we can just optically, you can see the fact that they've still kept people out of there they still have it all fenced off there's there's they're not allowing information now is it indicative of some sort of a white hat operation that's going on there i don't know i mean people have posited that there i've had a really difficult time uh thinking about uh a directed energy weapon attack that would be allowed to happen by the white hats or, or perpetrated but 
you know, in order to save their kids, save the kids. I've heard about that, you know, taking the kids uh, to, uh, you know, underground locations and things of places of safety. I don't really, but see that to me, I, I've never really been able to, 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 to fully get behind that idea, but I, it seems to me far more likely that there was some infiltration and that allowed that attack or enabled that attack to happen. That we're still at war. I think it's pretty obvious that the, that the deep state still has teeth at, at one point in time. I wanted to believe that they didn't. I wanted to believe that the white hats had everything under control, but the simple reality is, is that uh, if even a fraction of what we've seen play out over the past couple of years, even in recent months, has been true, even a fraction of it would indicate that the deep state still exists and it still has power and they can still inflict massive uh, casualties and damage. I mean, they still have these weapons. They have the tectonic weapons. They have the harp technology. They still have tricks up their sleeve. Uh, there's there's no two ways about that. But um, yeah, like like Hurricane Otis in Acapulco that just came up all of a sudden. Just all. Of, did you know? Did you hear about that? Hurricane I haven't Otis? heard too much about it. No. Yeah, that was that was very strange. So and that was pretty recent. Okay. Yeah, well, it happens all the time. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I if I if I got to your question or. Uh, if I kind um, of yes, kept over it, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, I mean, but you like, know, I, it 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 bothers me that Carrie doesn't. Um. Why doesn't she bring up the fact that the, there's no parents, you know, like looking for their kids? Isn't doesn't that drive you crazy? I think it's a very. I mean, look, people have said that for a, for a long time. Not even just about the kids in Lahaina. People have said that about the kids that they're supposedly rescuing from the dumps. You know, where are these kids? Uh, you know, where's the evidence of it, and and so on and so forth. Um, is it possible that there are, let's just say, alternate locations, either military bases, ships, you know, hospital ships? Are there places where they can take these kids where there are perhaps even underground and safer, you know, in, in uh, let's just say repurposed uh, territory that the White Hats have have taken from the deep state. I've heard that as a theory as well. Um, it's a difficult question. And the, and the simple the simple reality of the matter is, is that I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question. My perspective on it is I think that there are operations that are going on. Now, I'm not going to say about Lahaina specifically, but I, I certainly can say that um, I've heard from the individuals that I've talked to, and you can take it for what it's worth, that there are active operations and have been very long for a very long time, covert operations where these kids are being kept in, in secure locations. Now, where the parents were, what are they actually doing uh, to, uh, you know, to, to sort of alleviate these concerns? I mean, these are questions I don't think anybody can really answer at this point. You know, I, I don't, I don't have uh, any answers as far as the, uh, the location of the kids, where are the parents, why are they not um, raising hell? You know, why aren't they out there? But, you know, the one thing I will say is that um, when you think about how many kids go missing every single year, when you think about how many adults even that go missing every single year, do we hear about them? Hardly. I mean, we hardly ever hear about kids that go missing. We hardly ever hear about uh, these abductions. I mean, they have these little cherry pick stories that they, you know, that they put out there in the news. But for the most part, this is something that's massively covered up, whether it's by, you know, I mean, obviously, in this case, I'm talking about the deep state. And I think in a lot of ways, the way that the White Hats are 
engaging this enemy is is using similar tactics of, of secrecy and deception. And that's what's causing, I think, so much consternation and so much confusion. And these types of uh, questions, these these really good questions to persist as we move forward. But it's not all that uncommon that these individuals, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I think the last time I heard it was uh, it was over a million, at least in, in the United States alone, I think, that go missing every single year. Brian, you're nodding your head. Maybe you have a, a, a better figure in mind. But I mean, it's, that's a lot of people. And when you think about how rarely we ever hear about this, it's to such a degree that most people don't even think that it's a real thing, you know, that that, that so many kids go missing. They Even that they don't believe. They want to call it a conspiracy because the media covers that up and they whitewash it. Yep, and are the White Hats doing a, something similar? Uh, I mean, do I think it's uh, let's, let's just put it this way. If if, if they've got a mili- an ongoing military operation that's going on. Does it make sense for them tactically if they do know the answers to these questions, if they do have certain uh, safeguards in place, let's say our alternate locations for these children, people that they rescue and so on and so forth, and even their parents as well? um, Is it in their interest to put that information out there for public consumption at this point? Probably not, because that's really where we're at, right? We're still in a place where we're, we're witnessing what's been a very long drawn out covert war for decades now, slowly emerging more and more and more to the surface. And I think that's kind of where we're at. In, with, with, we're at this tipping point now where so many things have been happening behind the scenes, beneath the surface, as you hear me say, but they're starting to, to come to a head now. And we're going to, we're going to see that I think in 2024, where we're going to, that, that silent war is going to become very much more obvious as time goes on. The answers to the questions, though, about the children, their locations, the parents. I mean, these are these are questions that, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to single carry out and say, well, why isn't she asking that question? I think a lot of people are asking that question. I've actually heard, you know, Carrie talk about similar subjects in the past. It may not have been her focal point, you know, the other day. But I think, you know, she's she, from what I know about her and, and she and I have, have gotten pretty close behind the scenes. You know, we've gotten to know each other. And, uh, you know, Carrie cares deeply about the kids, she cares deeply. I mean, she comes across very abrasive. She comes across as, you know, she's Carrie Cassidy. And, you know, everybody knows that, you know, when you watch Carrie, you're in for a certain type of experience. And and she's been, uh, she's been, tr- stay true to who she is. But behind the scenes, even as well, I can say that, you know, Carrie cares deeply about the things, you know, that's where that passion comes from. It's not just a, an act or a show. She She's very much committed to, uh, to trying to get the answers to these questions, but nobody yeah. really knows. You know, that's the thing. We don't we don't have access to that information. And I think that very few people do. And the ones that do, they're not going to be out there talking about it. Well, I didn't I didn't want you to get the idea that I don't like Carrie because you and she are actually my my two favorite podcasters right now. And then uh, and you especially you do a really good job of bringing the best out in and people you interview like Nino when you did Nino. You brought the best out in him and he like um he was actually endearing and you know addressed the thing about people were saying he was a what's that word? Um trying to get money. What's that word? Grifter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so he explained about his website and stuff and it like um because his website's expensive. And and so but any but I, I I support you and I support Carrie and you guys are two of my very favorites 
Well, so. I appreciate that. I do. And, and, you know, I had a good conversation with Nino. I really did. I wasn't even sure uh, that I was going to hear from him. Uh, Carrie gave him my, my contact information and he sent me a text and he was very gracious and, you know, said he'd be willing to come on the show again. And, uh, you know, we had a really good, uh, good vibe, I felt like. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think I would I would welcome having him back on my show. And that's what I try to do with my guests is I really, you know, I try to steer the conversation, but I don't try to control the conversation. You know, that's, I think, so, the, the, the distinction there. I think that, um, you know, if you if you go into it with this, because uh, I, I generally speaking, I have a list of questions. I have a list of topics, bare minimum, that I want to get into. Um but I, I realized very early on, and I think this was probably by virtue of, of interviewing people like Carrie and people like Gene Decode, especially, you know, people that, that just go all over the place. They jump all over the place. So you can have a list of questions, but it kind of goes right out the window once that conversation <laughs> starts, because you think you're going to go to topic A to B to C. It's going to be some sort of a, you know, a roadmap you're going to follow. But it, with those people, it just doesn't work that way. And you got to be able to you know, to pivot and and really just listen to what they're saying. And that's what I try to do is I try to listen to what they're saying. Um, but, you know, and maybe steer the conversation in a certain way to to have them address the topics that I think people want to hear about, because a lot of my guests, too, they're they're brilliant and they have so much information. But that one sometimes without without some sort of direction uh, with, without without a specific question or our host, really, that's why people like myself, I suppose, are out there. I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, that's why that's the role that we play is trying to, you know, to keep them uh, on on track, I guess, so to speak. And, you know, it, it's a skill. It's something that I've uh, I think some of my background uh, with my, you know, um, well, my my current job, I suppose, to a degree plays a, played a big role in that. Some things in my background. But, you know, I've never had any media experience you know i've never been trained in the media and i think that's also some a, a part of what people enjoy as well because it's 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 raw it's honest it's it's not uh you know pre-packaged pre-formulated and people just want to hear a, an honest conversation but i appreciate that that was very nice of you to say you're welcome uh okay uh dookie you got a hand up go ahead <laughs> I think you're on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It happens uh, to the best uh, of us. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to say that I was agreeing with what Cheryl said in the beginning about the whole interview with Mike Gill. I guess I'm backing up and you guys are moving forward, but I wanted to let her know that I, I, I have those same feelings that she brought up about um, like, Maybe Trump and them already knew about all that stuff, right? You know, whatever's in the Pandora Papers or whatever, right? Maybe it was already known. And so it was kind of like um, superfluous, you know, it, it, it they didn't need it. Or maybe certain things have to play out. You know, even the Lahaina incident... Maybe that's all part of the plan that we, we're just we're just unaware of. We're looking at it from one perspective, but maybe there's a, a broader perspective. So, you know, we get caught up on all these different things that happen, but maybe this has to happen. 
it it's a part of like you're talking about the great awakening it it's right huh and uh, to me the great awakening is the spiritual awakening you know i mean there's so many things that are happening but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think uh, did you you mentioned Mike Gill again, right? Yes. Was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, that's really kind of my perspective is that I've I've said that my my inkling on that is that his his information is uh, everything yeah. that he says it is valid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and I mean, I, again, do do you hear anybody out there? I mean, you may hear some people who are starting to kind of downplay and say, oh, well, his there's his information is older. There's newer information especially since he's come out and been very forceful against certain individuals. There are some people who mm -hmm. are kind of saying that, but nobody that I've heard who has any kind of credibility says that Mike Gill's lying, that he's not yeah. telling the truth. There's yeah. nobody out yeah. there who's saying that who's really kind of downplaying or minimizing, maybe downplaying, but not minimizing or saying that his information is not important. Do I think it's going to yeah. play a role? Absolutely. And I think that his, when you, when you listen to Mike, uh, talk it's very clear and it's not, it's not like you have to interpret anything he says outright that he doesn't believe in the q operation and he he thinks that, it, that it's I said shocked me uh, I, I wish that shocked me yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I, I knew that going in i actually had a conversation with him uh about a week prior to that mm -hmm. uh, round table. i had heard it earlier yeah yeah i mean he, he made it very clear and you know so i mean i what am i going to do say well i disagree with you on that so therefore i'm yeah. not to you, that's not how I operate. I mean, he and I dis disagree on that. I think that he's actually a part of a plan that he maybe doesn't fully understand because he hasn't been read in on all aspects of it. I think there's also the uh, the possibility, a very a very strong likelihood that he's being given information. He, I mean, I know that he's been uh, talking to individuals uh, behind the scenes. I don't know who, and <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't talk about it. But he's been talking to people behind the scenes as well. And are those people giving him? bad information are they feeding mm. him certain information are they manipulating the position that yeah. he's in? let's not forget this guy has sacrificed i mean if you take his story unbelievable, his, yes yes unbelievable sacrifices yeah. that he's had to make and it's it's really hard to fake <laughs> that type of passion exactly. that you hear in his yeah. voice when his voice cracks and he yeah. talks about the children and how much he's lost and so forth so yeah. you know i think he's a good man and i do think that yeah. he's a player a part of this mm -hmm. uh of this situation I really do. Yeah. But I don't think he really has been fully read in. And I, again, because I think that this is a, a very compartmentalized strategy. It's the only way it's going to work that people on the inside have the, a very small group. We've said, like, I think I've heard, you know, nine, 10 people. Uh, I, I think the last number I heard, I remember nine six. for some reason, uh, like oh. you know, six military, three civilian. But, you know, again, we oh. don't, Brian, you're, uh, you're saying there's a Q post related to that. Okay, maybe you can touch upon that in just a moment. But yeah, it's a very small group, and there's not going to be any outside uh, comms or communications. Mm -hmm. Do you want to pipe in on that, Brian? You want to mention something there? Um, no, I'm just looking on the cue board, and he only mentions Pandora twice, but it's with all the senators. And then right now, on uh, October 18th of 2020, it says subpoena of all Hunter Biden's financial records. Death blow, Pandora's political elite box. That doesn't mean Pandora Hunter. doesn't mean that Hunter's Pandora's box. It could also mean Mike Gill's because we all know things have double meanings too. Mm. Good okay. point. That's and now good. Hunter's in the, in the spotlight. So they're also saying that Pandora, 
you know, they have it at their disposal, right? We haven't even heard about McAfee. So Juan said that uh, when when things start to be released, it's going to be a snowball effect. Mm. Okay. They're not going to be able to stop. Once something comes out, it's going to they're going to be releasing it from all angles. Yeah, well, he said recently too that he, you know, they're expecting, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pivot after this because I have a couple questions here in the chat uh, that people have pointed out. I want to try to take a few audience questions as well, but you know, he said that there are, uh, and this was also an aspect of my conversation with Kerry as well, that there are these court cases that uh, he said they mentioned three in particular that are going to be like, you know, the the ones that break the dam, you know, or whatever right. metaphor you want to use, like you use the snowball metaphor, but it, you know, we really, it means the same thing. Right. right. And so, I mean, the, you know, talking about how there, there are going to be these major court cases and he's been talking about this for a while and I don't want to go in a big jag and onto one. I want to talk about, you know, I want to get to my audience's questions, but he's been talking for a long time about these court cases that have been ongoing um, that are going to, you know, crack the dam open and it's going to be very, it's going to be like the dominoes start to fall. Uh, but of course it's been it, very nebulous, uh, in terms of the understanding of what he really means by that. Cause he's only released a, a certain amount of information. So we're going to have to see, but it, that, there's also the question there is, is that somewhat at odds with what he said before about, and, and many times since, uh, about DC being fixed and no justice in the justice department. And that's why the military is the only way. Now, I've, I've posited many times that I think that what's going to happen is as all this information comes out through the courts and through the, you know, the legal system, uh, I think that's being used as a sort of apparatus to, to, to introduce it to the masses, to introduce it to the public, but with, that we shouldn't necessarily expect that we're going to see justice within that civilian uh, law enforcement apparatus, that justice system, because I think that system itself has been... Uh, was from the very beginning uh, designed really to insulate the political class and the elite. So I think that's why the military is the only way. Is it going to be used as a, as a a way of introducing all of this information to the masses? Yes, I do think that that's probably going to be the likely outcome and that we're going to see example after example. I mean, who knows what the actual trigger is going to be that's going to bring Trump back? Right. Or that's going to, you know, whether it's going to be the EBS or what, whatever the situation, whatever the trigger is going to be, nobody really knows. Uh, but I mean, that's that's kind of the the, the question of, you know, are, are we going to get to that because we see and this is what I've said so many times are we are we going to get to that point, that critical point of military intervention because we see justice so overtly denied? And so, you know, so brazenly denied to the point where everyone has to look at it because all the information has come out. And yet we see nothing happen. We see no arrests. We see no uh, no justice. We see everything being thwarted in the wrong direction. Now, who knows? I mean, maybe there's a plan behind the scenes that, you know, there's been a, a gradual infiltration of all these different systems and that we're going to actually see flips within the courts. And we're going to actually see flips. You know, the, the Supreme Court, they've made some interesting decisions. We can't deny that over the past, uh, you know, several years. So, I mean, is it going to go in that direction? It, 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 I think it, it, at this point, all things are on the table. All options are on the table. But I've always believed that I mean, Q told us this is this is sort of where I was, uh, you know, I was talking about a little bit uh, earlier is that, you know, going back to your roots in a sense and going back to the cue boards and comparing that to where we are right now and what we're likely to expect. And there's just no confusion on the cue boards that the military is the only way. 
All right. It doesn't say that phrase specifically in that order in those words, but it says, I think, think logically, the only way is the military. And there are many, many, many posts about this. So I think that uh, that's really what we're likely to see. But I kind of I took that in a, in a sort of different direction there. So. All right. So there's a couple of questions here. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, see. Um, OK, so got a question uh, from Morning T 2020. So what would you say? Uh, was the biggest surprise for you since you started your podcast journey? And what would you say has been the hardest part personally since starting your show? Okay, well, I mean, that, I think the biggest surprise uh, was the fact that it uh, became popular. <laughs> uh, the fact that I ended up having an audience, I didn't, I didn't think that that was going to be the case. I thought um, um, that it was going to be uh, a, ver a very small group. I, I had this, this feeling, this, this notion, like I, I just couldn't shake it, that, that I can't be the only one who thinks this way. You know, I, I had never really had these conversations because every time I had, I tried, I always got shut down with the people in my life and it, it backfired. And we know how that works. And it, it really destroyed a lot of relationships or it really damaged a lot of relationships that I had. And so my experience going into doing a podcast was that nobody wanted to listen to me. And so to go from that to then suddenly people saying, oh, I really like listening to you or, oh, I really like, you know, the people would say, I really like the sound of your voice and things like that. And I was like, it just blew me away. I was like, well, are these people talking about me? This, this doesn't seem like it's, this doesn't seem like it's really happening right now. And, and sure enough, um, you know, that, that was exactly the case. I had to continually, um, I, I just, you know, I had to get over my own disbelief and tell my and just sort of accept that, wow, there are people out there who actually think the same way and actually resonate. So that was a huge surprise. Uh, I didn't think that that was the case. I didn't think that um, a lot of people were going to want to listen to the topics. I mean, certainly as far as the intel goes and the latest developments and the analysis, I think there's a wider, it, you know, the, it, it would seem logical to me anyway. And it seems to be the case that there's a wider audience for that type of a chat. But, you know, when in terms of my coffee chat, some of my other material that I talk about, uh, very big surprise that I thought uh, that, that that anyone was going to want to listen to that. Um, you know, I was prompted in that direction. Uh, I was, you know, we talked about this being a spiritual journey, a spiritual quest. Um, you know, it's that's really what it's been for me right from the beginning is just uh, embracing that and, and um, you know, feeling um, this this prompting inside of me that I don't really fully understand. And I'm sure it's probably the same story for so many people out there who who stepped forward and decided to uh, to become active and be a part of this process and be a part of history uh, to be a part of the Great Awakening. It's it's this prompting that we can't really fully explain is what continues to propel me forward. And, um, you know, I guess you could say, give me the uh, the confidence and the ability to be able to do this because I, I didn't really think that it was going to go in the direction that it did. So it's been a huge blessing and, and thank you everybody out there for your kind words. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, the second part of the question, the hardest, the hardest thing, uh, there have been a lot of hard, hard things. I have to say it's been a, it's been a, a growth process for me personally. Um, I've been confronted, I think with a lot of when, when you do this type of work and you put yourself out there and, uh, even before I decided to put the camera on or anything like that, it's, you know, it, it does involve a certain leap of faith. Um, and uh, it pushes, it pushes you into very uncomfortable situations. Uh, you realize that, you know, once you, especially once your work starts to gain traction, uh, 
there are always going to be people who are criticizing you. There are always going to be people who are trolling you. Uh, you you kind of have to develop a thicker skin. You kind of have to to learn along the way that, you know, there's no pleasing everybody. I mean, I knew that going into it, but boy, did I learn that lesson really quickly when I started doing podcasts. And I continue to, I mean, from a lot of people that I love and respect in my audience who, um, you know, as long as they uh, express how they feel about my work in a, in a, in a in a uh, respectful way, I, I continue to accept constructive criticism, but I realize, you know, you're not going to, um, you're not going to please everybody. And I think that also one of the challenges for me, I think has been sort of balancing and maintaining, um, trying to, uh, put out content and try to stand on top, on top of the news and, and, and contend with my full-time job and my kids and, you know, my family life and all of the things, uh, that's been difficult. Uh, it's been really, really difficult. And, and, Along the way, even though I haven't gotten into specifics about it for for pretty obvious reasons, because they're personal to me and they don't really matter to anyone else, I've I've had a lot of difficult things happen along the way in the journey that I never expected. Uh, personal things that have um, really pushed me to you know to 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 face some things about myself on multiple different levels and to face certain realities that perhaps I didn't want to face in my life and. Uh, it's been it's been really difficult. It's, it's a spiritual journey and, and that process of growth. And I've talked about this many times is, uh, you know, it's driven by that, you know, that that discomfort. It's driven in so many ways by a lot of the, the negative, the things that we perceive to be negative as we go through our journey. Um, those things ultimately end up to be the biggest blessings that propel us toward the greatest understanding of of, of, of ourselves, you know, or, or let's just say a better understanding of who we really are. Um, but going through it isn't exactly pleasant. You know, that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's it, it's a great paradox because on the one hand, I think most people who are at least somewhat um, honest with themselves and, and, and have lived long enough to have acquired some wisdom know that uh, you don't really learn all that much when things are going your way. Right. You know, when when it's smooth sailing, uh, you, you learn the most and you uh, you grow the most and you change you know, God does his best work, I guess you could even say, uh, when we're going through those difficult periods. And uh, to a large degree, um, I think when I first started to gain some traction with my show and develop an audience and realize that I was passionate about it, because of so many things that have happened in my past that were really, really difficult, that brought me to this point, and I think in many ways enabled me to do what I do now, uh, I didn't think that I was going to have to continue to grow. You know, there's a part of me, you know, even though you know, rationally that uh, I probably wouldn't have, have articulated it that way, but it's almost like I felt like I had arrived and and I and I, I would kind of have some smooth sailing along the way because I'd finally discovered something that I loved and was passionate about. And it, it seemed like God was pushing me in this direction. And then all of a sudden, you know, I realized very quickly life continues to happen. It continues to have curveballs and, and, and that's the process. That's the journey. So what I try to do is just embrace it. Uh, you know, as best as I can and and to try to stay spiritually grounded in the process and realize that so much of what happens to us in life that that really uh, shapes us into the people that we become that we never really intended to be are blessings in disguise. And you never really know wh whether what you're going through, you know, you can call it good, you can call it bad. I mean, certainly at the time on an emotional level, it's easy to attach that label to it. But when you when you step back and you really examine your life. Uh, you realize that had these things not happened, these things that you just cursed and you, you know, you you fought against and you 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 just kicked and screamed the entire way, you had to go through those things in order to become the person that you are. And if you can look in the mirror and be, you know, at least satisfied and know that, uh, you know, that you're doing the best that you can, uh, that you've decided to show up 
to the what I think is show up to the table at the greatest time in human history. You know, none of us are perfect. That's the thing. We're not supposed to be perfect. We're not. So, we're, we're all different. We're all unique. We're all flawed. But that's always for a reason. And God uses those those flaws and he uses all of these different scenarios. He puts us through these things and allows these things to unfold in our lives so that, you know, that that really is the journey. That's the spiritual quest. And, you know, that's those are the things that are individual to us. We all have our own story, but it's also the the bond that unites us. So thank you for that question. That was a good one. Uh, all right. Let's see. Um, let's see. OK, so where do I see the situation in Yemen heading. All right. So this is a really, I haven't, I haven't really uh, revealed a lot of this because I'm planning on talking about it in my next show. I'm actually doing uh, some, some material on that right now, but I think that this is uh, the situation as it's unfolding right now, as you can see, the United States and the UK are very actively trying to push to escalate this conflict. And we know that the deep state, this is their model. This is what they do. First, they, you know, they they had the war in Ukraine. They have the war, you know, now in Israel. They're trying to expand that war. They're trying to push for this situation. I've said many times that um, I do believe that, and this was a kind of an understanding that I came to a little bit more recently as far as the dollar is concerned, that both sides are trying to collapse the dollar because it's based upon the uh the, the petrodollar, as we know, is really based upon the the, the safe passage of oil all, all throughout the world. And of course, all of these events are happening. Uh, we, you know, we've heard we've heard about a Red Sea moment. We know about, you know, the strategic locations of these waterways in terms of the oil tankers and getting uh, getting oil safe passage out of there. I've said many times that I think that both the White Hats and the deep state are trying to crash that petrodollar. And, and the way that you do that primarily is through war. They're pushing for that. Because they know that that's the only way. That's historically the way that they've always handled these these kind of like revolutionary cycles, I guess you could say, in a way that are in many ways are tied to economic cycles. I mean, when you look at the economic cycles, and uh, I, I actually read an interesting uh, article on this a while back, but you know, comparing the, the historically the economic cycles with the the wars that that transpire around them. Um, it's it, it it's quite interesting when you start to notice the parallels there. So I think that uh, that's what's happening. They've gotten to the end of their rope and uh, they're looking to try to create an escape hatch through through war. And they're doing that uh, all over the world. They're trying to engage the big players. I think they're they're trying to entice all the big players into a wider conflict. So when you talk about Yemen, you talk about the Houthi rebels and you talk about the connection to Iran, you can see very clearly what the United States is trying to do. They're trying to continually provoke Iran because I think that they see uh, the, the the Persian state as being in many ways that wild card, that linchpin that they if they can if they can provoke the Iranians into a wider conflict, a wider escalation as it relates to Israel, then they can really spark this whole World War Three that Albert Pike wrote about that all of us have become very well uh, well versed on, which was in essence designed to eradicate uh, the Islamic religion all throughout the Middle East and in the process to completely, uh, completely, excuse me, uh, deplete the the West in terms of our resources, our spiritual energy, our passion. I mean, you know, to just suck everything out of us in the process and consolidate their power. This is what they're trying to do. Now, the level to which this is being scripted in terms of, um, 
you know, and not not in terms of the kinetic battles and the situations that are having, but in terms of how it's kind of playing out. And and I don't know, maybe if scripted is not the right word, but that that I think what's happening is that the White Hats are leading the deep state down a path toward this wider conflagration because they need this big event to transpire for a number of different reasons, to give the military an obvious excuse to, to step forward, to give Trump an obvious ex, uh, excuse to step forward as commander in chief, uh, and ultimately to, to to prepare the people, we the people, for what the, for this massive change that needs to happen. So I think to, to a degree, they're allowing all of these events to unfold because, and again, and going back to the Q drops, and these are ones that I referenced earlier, I don't remember the specific number, um, but uh, I think it might have been I think it might have been drop number 140, uh, where Q says that, you know, what if uh, Russia and and China and these different countries are, uh, I think he may have even mentioned North Korea in that same uh, sentence there. I, don't quote me on that. But what if they're working together uh, to bring, uh, you know, to to bring about the end of the new world order? And that's what I've always believed. And, you know, the, the posts about China are very, very interesting. And I think that behind the scenes, there's been for a long time, back back channels, but not just back channels, specific plan to avoid going down this road into, into nuclear war. That's why I think despite all of these obvious provocations that we've seen that are clearly from the deep state, they're intended to goad, you know, the Iranians and then the you know the Russians and certainly, you know, the China, you know, Taiwan situation, the, I think, which I think is actually going to get hot at a certain point because I think it has to. Uh, that's sort of a separate question, a uh, separate topic there. But I think all of these things are are uh, are playing out. They're all moving in that direction because there are safeguards in place, just like with everything else, just like with the economy. They're allowing the deep state to, you know, to accelerate their plan. They're forcing them into all of these different to making all these different moves ahead of schedule, as we've talked about many times. It's exposing them. And it's also, you know, it's also leading them down the path exactly where the White Hats want them to be for that critical moment. So that's the way I see Yemen. I'm going to say more about it on a future episode. Okay, let's see here. And by the way, if anyone on the panel here wants to jump in, be my guest. I'm just trying to uh, to sift through some of these and, and take some questions here from, from people in the audience. Uh, I don't know if I missed any. Let's see. Ah, okay. What spiritual and physical practices work for you? This is from Catherine, 8856. And how have they progressed with you over the years? Uh, that's a good, that's a really good question. So uh, you mentioned spiritual and physical. And what I've come to learn is that those two really go hand in hand. And that was not always the way that I, I lived my life. I have to tell you, I, I actually... Um, I'll just say uh, briefly that before I started my podcasting journey, going back to uh, you know the the height of the COVID era in, in uh, 2020, I had uh, at that point in time um, I looked a lot different than I do now. As I was quite a bit heavier, uh, I didn't I wasn't really you know uh, taking care of myself in the way that I I really should have been. Uh, and th this was something, you know, that happens, I think, to a lot of people, you know, they get into their like late 30s, early 40s, and they kind of, you know, they have kids and they, you know, I, but I just, uh, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really taking care of myself. I was still, uh, you know, I, I still hadn't cleaned up my eating. I still hadn't really uh, gotten um, to the point where I am now, which is basically militaristic about the the things that I consume and the things that I put on my body, the things that I allow into my, you know, temple, so to speak. Um, 
And then in 2020, I had a pretty severe knee injury. I dislocated my knee very, very badly. It was actually a miracle that I didn't have to have surgery. And it was just a freak accident. I took my kids to soccer one day. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm sitting there. I'm standing there talking to this lady one minute. And the next minute, I take a step in the wrong direction. And I'm lying on the ground. And my leg is like, you know, uh, it's like bent off to the side. I'm in just an excruciating pain. And so anyway, long story short, it brought me to a point where uh, through, through physical therapy and, and really going through a long period, I mean, I, I, I was on my, uh, my couch, in essence, I, I couldn't do anything uh, for about six months. It was a really severe injury. And I think in a lot of ways, that kind of prepared me um, to take the next steps uh, to get me closer to what I ended up doing. Um, but it was a spiritual and a physical interruption in my life. You know, I think there kind of had to be both of those things. And I think a lot of the times that's what happens when you have a a, um, a bad injury or something along those lines. It, it, there's a spiritual element that goes hand in hand with that. And I think for me, um, that's exactly what occurred. And I started to uh, to take better care of myself. I started to develop. I mean, I already had my spiritual practice. Uh, which for me has always been, um, you know, I, I pray, uh, I, I happen to pray on my knees. I, I don't tell people how to pray or, or, or make any kind of suggestions along those ways. It's just my, my method um, that I've always done. Um, you know, I've been very clear about, you know, my, uh, my beliefs in, in terms of who I pray to, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't think I've ever been ambiguous about that. So, you know, I, I, uh, for me, Christ is my savior. I, that's who I pray to. I pray on bended knee. I, I believe very firmly that uh, all the things that I was kind of just talking about, about how uh, my entire life and probably, and and not just about me, but all of you as well, all of our lives have been preparation. And um, that that's something that uh, I've developed, you know, uh, a, a wider perspective on that over the years, but certainly uh I was forced into situations in my life. Let's just say that uh, that that I had really no choice uh, but to get closer to God. I guess I did have a choice that would have been to reject God and to push God away, but that was never something that even occurred to me, even though I've been angry. And that's the other thing. Um, you know, everyone has their own viewpoints, and I don't want to offend anybody's viewpoints or anything. I'm just telling you my perspective. But, you know, the relationship that I have with God is, I mean, I if I'm angry, I yell, I scream, I rage. I, I, I give everything to my creator because I was put in situations in my life where I didn't have anywhere else to go with the things that I was feeling, the things that I was experiencing that I had no ability to even process, uh, things that go back to my teenage years. So I think that that trauma that I had, um, the, the the physical trauma to my leg, but really even earlier in my life, the spiritual, the emotional trauma, uh, psychological, I guess you could call it whatever you want, uh, it pushed me into a, a closer relationship with God very early. Um, and again, it's one of those things, like I said, you know, all along the way, I, re- I rejected it. I didn't want it. I didn't I didn't understand what was happening in my life. I, I was angry at God most of that time when not even realizing, looking back now, that so many of the things that, that happened that transpired were blessings. And that's, you know, the, the, that's the thing um, very much connected to, you know, this this basic topic here of, you know, that spiritual relationship that I think begin it began for me at a, at a pretty early age. I would say probably um, I always believed in God. I was raised, you know, with religion and organized religion um my whole life but i think i started to develop a personal relationship with god um 
when I started to really suffer and I started to go through some pretty traumatic things in my life at, you know, in my teenage years, my late teenage years that, that, uh, and that relationship in and of itself, uh, is what saved me, sustained me, uh, my entire life, um, and brought me to this point. And I've never, um, I've never had a problem with, uh, with being open and honest with God. You know, that's the way I view it. I, I don't, um, you know, I don't read out of a prayer book or anything along those lines. I just, I communicate with my creator. That's what I do. Um, it has progressed that it's a constantly changing relationship. And just like any other relationship, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Generally speaking, you know, I've said before on my show that, you know, you take one step toward God, he takes three steps toward you. That's exactly, I mean, you've heard Juan O'Savin say, you know, God's is as serious as you are. Um, and I think that's a pretty accurate statement. Um, you know, the more you seek, the more you shall find. Uh, we don't always do that. You know, we, we're worldly in a lot of ways, you know, imperfect in a lot of ways, but it's a, it's a, it's a quest, it's a journey. And uh, you know, it's one that I embrace. So thank you for that question. All right. Let's see. You guys have any other ones for me? Sarah, Dukey, Cheryl, anything you guys want to talk about? Anyone, anything you want to hear me uh, discuss? Any topics? Let's see here. I think I, I must have missed. Some. Oh, there's some more questions here. Hold on. Let's see. All right. Okay. So this is a question from Mike uh, Delab, D-E-L-A-B. -E uh, so the, are the court cases going to be thrown out of court for Trump? Uh, you know, look, I... I think the court cases, to be honest with you, are part if there's if there's any aspect of this that's a pantomime, that's that's exactly I mean, to me, I think it's a perfect example of these court cases against Trump. I think this is this is an area where I think uh, what we're seeing is the the deep states basically just being puppeteered into this, that they're uh, these charges are just absolutely ludicrous. Then everybody knows that. Trump didn't do anything wrong. Even I think the people out there who don't even like Trump, a lot of the mainstream figures even have had to come out and basically say that these charges are frivolous, that they're, you know, and so on and so forth. But the question is, uh, how far are we going to see this legal drama play out? Now, there are a lot of different perspectives on that. I, I talk to some people who say, well, they don't even think that we're going to get to a Trump trial. You know, they think that you know, think we're going to see an interruption before that. I've I believe now, though, for for a while that uh, this drama, this legal drama of, of dragging Trump into court and, you know, allowing that as an opportunity to introduce all of this evidence, I, I think, is uh, very likely to happen. Uh, I don't think that you, you got to remember when, when even when they charged Trump to begin with having to do with J6. And of course, there were all these other charges as well. But we know that the big the big ticket item, of course, are, are the, the charges relating to January 6th. I mean, these are the ones that have these really long prison sentences and so on and so forth. And, you know, people have said like, you know, Mike Gill has said that uh, if Trump were to get a 20 year sentence, that's like a death sentence at this point and, and all of that type of thing. So I, I think that. Um, 
know, th those are the big charges. But going back to that point, Trump even said that he, he was going to have a press conference and he was going to reveal all of this information, uh, classified information that was going to prove that there was election fraud. And uh, you, you probably recall this. And then what happened was, is then he he got everyone all excited and then he, he, he pulled it back and said, oh, his attorneys advised him not to do that. But then uh, I think it was a few months ago now. I can't remember the name of the attorney. Um, uh, gosh, Trump's attorney, his name escapes me at the moment. Olson, maybe, or I don't know if that's the that's the correct guy, but came out and said that they were going to introduce classified evidence at these trials. And this was these are classified documents that once again, they were going to prove the election fraud. Now, when you think about the, those comments and you think about everything that we know about what Trump set up, this military sting operation, I mean, all of these executive orders behind the scenes, the, the military monitoring the election. And if you go back to the election, even you know back to 2016 and certainly 2020, even the mainstream media was talking about and documenting how the, how the military was tracking the vote. And they've got all of this information. That's what we believe. I don't think that there's any question that the military knows exactly how the steal was, was pulled off. They have the exact numbers, the exact figures, irrefutable evidence. And if you recall, uh, Josh Reed did a really great uh, podcast on this. It was so good that I, I decided to do a breakdown on it where he talked about that as potentially being the Trump card, where they're, they're, they're having the walls appear to close in on Trump. They're, they're, they're painting him into a corner. But we know that he's got all of these aces. I mean, he's told us about them. He's told us about them on multiple different occasions. I mean, you know, Pandora bo Pandora's box, opening Pandora's box is one of them. But we know, or at least we believe, and I think it's pretty obvious that that uh, Space Force and and the uh, the individuals within Cheyenne Mountain and in multiple different locations, the White Hats have all of this information. Did they gather all of this information not to use it? Certainly not. At a certain point, it's going to come out. It has to come out. The question is, what's going to be the vehicle that's going to allow all of this to come out? Is it going to be Trump's trial? Because, again, when you think about it, all of the charges pending against Trump, all they hinge upon that question of whether or not election fraud took place. Because if election fraud took place and the, and the statements that Trump made were correct pertaining to the vote being stolen, then that completely exonerates him and makes every statement that he ever made in relation to the election legitimate. And that all of these charges, so they're, they're trying to say that he incited an insurrection, that he was committing treason and all of these things. Well, if it turns out that he was telling the truth and it's irrefutable and it's coming from the military, where are they going to go with that? What are they going to do with that? Could that be the vehicle to bring all of this information forward? Or is it going to be a situation where we have a emergency alert system type of a scenario and the military steps forward and, re and reveals all of this information to the public? Uh, I don't think that uh, it's unlikely that we're going to see these court cases play out to some degree. Uh, there's the question of whether or not Trump has immunity, and that's going to be one of the big ones, you know, tying Mike Gill back into this conversation, uh, you know, because he had said that, they're, you know, they're going to rule against Trump. They're going to say that, you know, that he doesn't have immunity and they're going to put him in this position where he's, you know, he's got to make a deal and he's going to drop out of the race and so on and so forth. And then Flynn's going to step forward and all these things. 
hey, listen, I'm keeping I don't believe that that's going to happen, but I'm still keeping an eye on all of that. And I'm going to say, all right, well, it's going to be interesting to see how the Supreme, you know, the Supreme Court uh, rules on that, where what the next chess moves are associated with that, whether or not we're going to see that precedent if they rule against Trump and say that he doesn't have presidential immunity, that is that going to then be used against uh, people like Clinton and, and Obama and all of the others? Absolutely. Uh, but is is this going to be uh, the vehicle that these this legal drama uh, for bringing all of this information out into the public purview? I think there's a very, very strong chance that that's going to happen because this trial is going to be live streamed. It's going to get all types of mainstream media attention. And whether even whether if you don't believe that the White Hats are pulling the strings behind the scenes or that they're in control behind the scenes or it's a movie, the reg regardless, all eyes are going to be on this trial. And what better place to red pill the entire country and the entire world, the people out there who still haven't gotten it yet, as to what actually happened in 2020? And then, of course, there are also the, these court cases that have been uh, mentioned by 107 that aren't even related to the presidency. He's talked about other cases that uh, you know could unravel the uh, the the process of of certifying Biden's election and and all of these other individuals who if they got into office illegitimately it calls the entire process into question. Then there's the Brunson case that's also still there in the background that that a lot of people think is going to play a major uh, role when this all starts to unfold. But the question is, what's that thread going to be? Do I think it's likely? Uh, that these court cases, like I think Mike's question, are they going to are they going to be thrown out of court? Um, maybe, but I think it, if they do go to court, it, it would be a lot more beneficial to Trump, to the White Hats, to all of us to have this play out and to have all of this information. Because if it gets thrown out, then you know it gets thrown out and people don't hear about it. The whole point is to create a a spectacle. And I think that spectacle in many ways is is part of I mean, this is what I believe is part of this pantomime, because this is going to have all the attention uh, of, of all the eyeballs out there are going to be glued uh, to this uh, to this trial. And they're going to see what happens. Like, everyone's going to be curious. It's going to be like, uh, you know, <laughs> going to be like the OJ trial or something, you know, like where people just you know can't get enough. They're going to be glued to the screen. And, and I think that's that could be a, a really uh, an interesting way to bring all of this information forward. Okay, uh, so thank you for that question, Mike. Let's see. Let's see. All right. Information about Taylor Swift being a spy for the CIA. Okay, that was from CB CB One Gator. Now I I don't know anything about that. I mean I've actually heard quite a quite a bit about uh, Taylor Swift being uh, evil. Uh, so I don't I but I you know again I I can't really uh, comment on that quite frankly. I just don't know. Um, yeah. So the the situation. This is from King Panda. Uh, DPP wins the Taiwan uh, election today. Is that going to increase the tension with China? I think so. Absolutely. Um, there are a lot of folks out there who uh, don't think, and there are people that I've interviewed, you've seen, who don't think this is going to get kinetic on the Pacific Rim. 
Uh, I see Taiwan in many ways being similar to Ukraine. Uh, the things that I've heard about the the biolab institutions, the underground tunnels, all of the things that uh, we heard about in in uh, Ukraine and we're continuing to hear about, uh, the, these also exist in Taiwan, uh, to my understanding. In one way or another, I think that these targets have to be eliminated. Does that mean that uh, the way that this is being portrayed in the mainstream media is going to be accurate to what's actually going on? No. And I think that's something that we all have to understand is that we're we're getting these reports about these, you know, these kinetic uh, if, if these situations become kinetic, we're going to be getting the information from multiple different sources. But, the, you know, we know that the mainstream media is going to try to to push it in a certain direction to create a certain narrative. But I think that it's pretty obvious that uh, there is going to be a reunification between Taiwan and China. Some people say it's going to be uh, peaceful. Uh, I again, I, I I tend to disagree. I think there is going to be a a, a a battle. Let's just put it that way. Um, I also think that uh, when you talk about this, uh, the Pacific Rim as a whole, um, I mean, obviously China is is the major player there, but there's also North Korea. And I referenced uh, a little bit earlier. I think it was Drop 140 that talked about China, that talked about North Korea. Um, I think, and this is why I've been so interested in Xi Jinping and that question of whether or not he's a white hat and his whole background. I talked about this, I think it was on my last show, about how um, he, uh, about his background and his father uh, going all the way back to Mao Zedong was uh, involved to a certain degree in protecting Mao and, and uh, assisting him in his rise to power. And then, as we know, uh, this is mainstream history, as soon as Mao got into power, he he then turned on anyone he perceived to be a threat as most dictators do and he you know either imprisoned or, or killed them off and one of those individuals that he imprisoned was Xi Jinping's father and that Ping himself had to then work at uh work hard labor in these hard labor camps since he was 15 so this goes all the way back you know several decades and then you fast forward to uh you know Mao's death and other individuals who were at one point aligned with him who had been either imprisoned or exiled or, or anything along those lines started to come back into power xi jinping came of age started to make different uh connections and relationships with uh various different power players in china we've heard about the white dragon families these families that have uh power and influence that go so far beyond what most people even understand in terms of the actual politics in china and at one point in time had been somewhat aligned with uh, Mao and the CCP, but but have really you know kind of wanted to move in a in a different direction. Now this is a long term generational plan uh, that he became involved. That the United States, the U.S. White Hats were looking at that time back in the '90s to try to identify a leader that they could uh, that they could prepare, I guess you could say, for this role to 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 take over the CCP and be the leader of the CCP, but to lead the country down a path, a devolution path, I guess is, is the way I think this was cue the storm riders Intel uh, I talked about to lead them down this devolution path to bring about the end of the CCP because one way or another, and I've said this many times, I've talked about this with Gene decode and others that we know that the CCP has to be dismantled. Um, and and I think that what's happened is, is that G is has been put in this role, and that what we're going to see play out on this Pacific Rim is going to lead uh, by degrees to his removal from power. 
But I also think that this has all been planned for a very long time, that they already know who's going to take the reins in China once that transition is made away from totalitarian rule, from communism and so forth. So I think that this is a scenario there uh, that uh, very likely could uh, play a role in terms of this worldwide escalation that's going to lead us into that nuclear type of standoff situation. We know that uh, the position of the deep state on Taiwan has been very clear in terms of their intention to protect it and, you know, it being a red line and so forth. And we've seen, uh, you know, the willingness uh, to uh, to attack like we brought up in Yemen. Uh, we've seen that willingness. Uh, and we know that they're not trying to avoid a fight. And so the question is, uh, you know, how is this going to play out in a way that allows these regional battles, let's just say these regional kinetic situations that have to play out to stay regional and to stay somewhat contained and avoid a wider conflagration into a, you know, a nuclear war, a world war type of a situation. But I do think that uh, it's a very unlikely to me uh, that uh, the, all of these, this tension with China is simply uh, between ta Taiwan and China is simply, uh, you know, all, all saber rattling and, and uh, we're not going to see any type of action on that, uh, on that front. I, I definitely believe we are. And I also think the same, uh, could be true to a degree uh, with uh, with North and South Korea. We're going to have to see, but we I, I believe for a long time that uh, you know Kim Jong Un. Uh, it's been uh, talked about again in the drops uh, indicated that um, you know there's a there's a strong possibility. I mean I don't think Q ever comes out and sa says it. Obviously it's more it's always asked a phrase than a question to get us to consider certain things. But when you look at Trump and his relationship with these different individuals, whether it's Xi Jinping. Or whether it's uh, you know Kim Jong Un, um, it's pretty clear that he uh, he was he was doing some back channel dealing uh, going back to the you know, the early days of his presidency, and I think that this is all starting to come full circle now, and we're starting to see these tensions. You know, uh, I I've said even you know when Russia went into Ukraine back in you know uh, early I think it was 2022 that this was the beginning geopolitically speaking. Of these, you know, these major moves that had to be made to eliminate these uh, cabal hotspots all around the world, and I think this is also an example. Okay. Oh, looks like we had someone uh, sign on. Michelle, hello. How you doing? <clears throat> Wonderful. And how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I'm having fun here. <laughs> Good it's a good time. Um, I'll probably uh, I'll take uh, a few more questions. We've been on now. I, I didn't realize we're almost uh, almost two hours in here, so I'm, I'm starting to feel it in my voice here. But uh, I can certainly do a couple more. All right. Let's see. And again, if you guys have anything you want to uh, jump in here, feel free. <clears throat> Some of the questions here are things that I can't talk about, so I'll skip past those. I apologize. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Curious for News talked about, uh, asked a question, you know, pertaining to the Texas border. Uh, you know, I, I think um, I think this is a situation that is very, very likely to escalate. Uh, between the states and the feds. And I think that we're going to see 
I don't have any, uh, you know, special insights into it in terms of, you know, our, our knowledge, I should say, about how this is going to play. I don't think anyone does. But my suspicion here is that <clears throat> what we're seeing is that um, the states are now starting, I mean, putting putting aside the whole Q operation, the military operation for a moment here. Um, what was that, Brian? <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. You got to take off. All right. I appreciate it. Say hi to Jim for me. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. It was good to meet you. Um, so anyway, um, okay, I lost my train of thought there. We we're talking about um oh yeah, the situation in, in Texas. So yeah, this the states putting aside, you know, the the military operation and everything that's been happening, um, you know, behind the scenes, beneath the surface and so forth. I I think that the the pressure now from within these southern states coming from we the people is getting to be so intense that these individuals, whether or not they're good or bad, I think are being forced to take certain steps. And, you know, whether or not Greg Abbott's a good guy, I, I mean, at one point in time, I didn't really question that, but I've heard a lot of things about him and I'm not going to get into them now uh, that have made me question uh, that, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, it, you know, it appears that he is responding to the will of the people. Uh, and I think that what that's what we're what this really comes down to, as we all know, I mean, it, t taking us taking it away from the context of Q for a moment is it really is a battle between who's really in control, who really is, who are, who are the sovereign citizens of these states? And to what degree do they make the decisions as to what actually transpires of who gets to cross into the into their state, into their communities? And I think what happens over time is that people, you know, people have gotten angrier and anger and anger. And, and eventually that anger starts to boil over. We saw it boil over in Ireland not too long ago. And, you know, when you take a place like Texas, I mean, you know, don't mess with Texas. I think that uh, they're, they've got their finger on the pulse of the, the people there in Texas. They're not going to put up with much more of this. And I think that they've gotten to the point where it, you could probably even make the case that they've had to take these steps in a lot of ways, in order to satisfy the the demands of their constituents, the the the, the citizens of of Texas, before they actually take matters into their own hands, because at a certain point in time, if the tyranny gets so great, and there is no force, no government force, no organized governmental force that's there that's going to oppose it effectively. Then it falls to we the people. I mean, it's not uh, you know it's not rocket science to figure that out, and especially within uh, an armed country, or and, and especially probably the most armed state, which is Texas, or if not the most, uh, certainly I would say probably in the top three. Uh, this this is not uh, a situation that they're going to take lightly. That uh, they're not going to allow their their uh, communities to continually experience these horror shows that we've heard about. I mean, we heard about the tunnels in New York. I don't know if anyone actually uh, posed a question about that, but you know we're getting more and more of this information, this these horrific realities that are being perpetrated. There was that st uh, the story, and of course, there was the Chabad tunnels in New York. There was also the story about, uh, I think it was like uh, I can't remember uh, what state it was in, uh, but there were uh, like six six individuals who were rape rape toddlers in the bathroom, and there was video footage that was posted on the dark web, and 
Uh, it was actually reported, I think, out of another country. They reported it uh, to the authorities and they they actually discovered what was going on. But the point I'm making here is that as these stories start to accumulate and we hear more and more about these these horrific, horrific crimes, whether they're sexual in nature or whether they're just, you know, random acts of violence like we saw happen in, in Ireland that set uh, that that set Dublin off, you know, the, the random stabbing of these toddlers by these individuals who have come into the country illegally, or even if they've been there illegally, I mean, they, they could be sleepers. But the, the the point is, is that it's, it's getting to a, a phase now where the heat has been turned up so high that they've got to do something about it. And this is not just, you know, in relation to the border. It's not in relation to one specific issue. This is on all fronts that we're seeing that. And that's why we're all feeling that, that tangible energy, that shift that's, that's, it's it's like it's unavoidable. We all see that, that that all of these pots have been simmering now and they're about to boil over. So I think that, you know, that's a big part of what's happening uh, in the in these border states. And I think it's very likely now that we've seen uh, Texas take some very demonstrative steps that we could see other states follow as well. Uh, it'll be it'll be real interesting to see, like in a state like Arizona, how are they going to respond? I mean, we know about the political apparatus there, but how are the people of Arizona going to respond as more and more of this continues to happen. And I think the real trigger is always it's it's going to be these stories that we're, we're going to see upticks in violence. We're going to see upticks in all of this horrific behavior that's going to force the hand uh, of, of the powers that be. If they don't want we the people to take matters into our own hands, and I don't believe the White Hats do want that by any stretch of the imagination. I, I talked about that a little bit earlier. Certainly the deep state does. Uh, and the White Hats are aware of that, and they know that they can only push so far because before war uh, would become inevitable anyway. And I don't think they're going to allow that to, to get to that point, and I think that's a big reason why we saw that move being made. All right. Um, okay. What state do I live in? I, I'll, I'll just say I live in New England. We'll just leave it at that. Um uh, it's cold. We'll also say that. Uh, all right. Anything else here? Um, let's see. All right. So I'll take uh, I'll take one more question there. This is from um, Honey Honey H O N I. Uh, so okay. Thank you for this question. This is. Uh, do you think that? Uh, we're going to see uh, what it says. Do you think new? I think you meant to say, do you think we'll see days of darkness? And if so, uh, how do you think that'll come about? How do you think that's going to look? Uh, yeah, absolutely. A uh, great question. Uh, it's something that we've been speculating about for quite a long time now. What is this, uh, you know, this 10 days of darkness? Is that what it's going to be? What is it going to look like? Now, I'm inclined. I've talked about this with Dr. Scott Young. And there are many people out there. Um, there are some people who think, okay, well, we're going to have the, you know, a, a, an emergency alert or a, a, some some sort of uh, form of that's going to happen, and it's going to be very quick. It's going to be very rapid. As a matter of fact, you go back to the Q drops. That's exactly what Q tells us that, that you know that that uh, resistance is going to be met swiftly. Uh, that you know. Um, Yes, I mean, Brian did talk about, you know, people who, you know, the ending not being for everyone, not all of us are going to make it. But Q also talked about, you know, families being safe and so forth. So a lot of people have 
uh, taken that and um, uh, concluded that they think it's going to be very quick, very swift, um, not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of chaos. I mean, you know, within within a, a very short time frame, let's just say three, four days. Other people think it, it could stretch on maybe a week to 10 days. And then, of course, there are other individuals out there who are saying that this could go on for months, years and so forth. Now, I don't believe for for a moment um, that the critical moment, the critical phases, this uh, these days of darkness, as uh, they're referred to, are going to go on uh, for a very uh, for a long period. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I'm pretty much inclined to agree with Dr. Scott. I think it's probably going to be a week to less. Uh, a week or less of of that real um, shutdown, uh, critical moment, scare uh, event, whatever it's going to be, precipice, as it's called in the Q drops. Uh, I think it's probably going to be something along those lines for many, many different reasons. Um, I don't think that you can afford to shut society down. I mean, look, we, we saw what happened, you know, even going back into the COVID uh, days, what happened when you uh, shut down society and uh, even on that level for for uh, for that period of time uh if if we have a shock and awe sort of scare event that brings society and grinds society to a halt for longer than a matter of days to a week or maybe even 10 who knows but if it goes much beyond that i think that you start to see things unravel very very quickly on on multiple different levels i don't think that psychologically spiritually a lot of people are going to be able to sustain that people are going to be in a state of uh, uh a lot of people are going to really be in a state of um well shock i guess is the right word but to the point where they they would you know have to be hospitalized uh, because the the realities i think the things that are going to be disclosed uh, even even not even just the the satanic ritual abuse, even if they don't get into all those things right away, uh, talking about the, you know, the individuals out there who are involved in pedophilia, uh, who are involved in industrial scale uh, child trafficking. I mean, this is going to be. Earth shattering news to people that in and of itself. And then if you take that with the financial situation and you take all of these fear about a nuclear standoff and you take the, you know, the border sleepers potentially attacking and so forth, um, it can unravel very, very, very quickly. And this is why I've always believed that once that critical moment comes, that not only is the military going to be in place and the, the individuals out there who are talking are kind of downplaying that or, or indicating that we're, we're going to have to do all the fighting. I don't believe that to be true. I think that's disinformation. I think that we have to be prepared, certainly. We all know that we have to have, uh, and I think everybody out there that I'm talking to right now is aware and is very well prepared. You have to have food. You have to have storable foods. You have to have water. Uh, very uh, highly recommend you have a weapon and ammunition. I mean, poor Brian lives in New York City. He can't, you know, get one. Uh, but he said he wouldn't even, you know, want a gun if he could or whatever. Uh, and and I, I respect that. I respect that. Uh, I have a very different opinion personally uh, as far as the Second Amendment goes. But, yeah, I mean, we all know these things. We have to be prepared and we all are prepared to to do uh, whatever we have to to contribute to this, to, to, to make sure uh, we, uh, you know, protect our family, protect our loved ones and so forth. But I think the military has got this. I really do. I think that they are in position. They know uh, where the uh, the biggest 
uh, outbursts of violence and chaos are going to be, where the riots are going to be organized, where all of these individuals uh, that I think are being tracked, I think there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we never, ever, ever hear about. And that's really for good reason. And I think when we read, uh, you know, the Q drops and we, you know, we, we uh, remind ourselves that there are no outside comms and we go back to so many of the, the, the classic fundamental statements that led us here and built our understanding, um, we know that they're not going to telegraph their moves. And we also know that this is all based upon, and I'll kind of wind down here, on the art of war. And you know, I did the decode recently about that amazing video that Trump made. And if you've ever questioned, you know, whether or not this is real, that we, the things that we're talking about over here in conspiracy land, and I'm not talking about my audience, of course, but, you know, just the general, you know, uh, consensus out there. If you've questioned, you know, this, this idea of whether or not Trump is following that playbook, he just told you. He said, you know, the, the part of the song, you know, uh, live and learn from fools and from sages. And when it went to sages, we saw the picture of Sun Tzu and it was the art of war. And the whole point in the art of war is to appear weak when you're strong and to make the enemy, to embolden the enemy, to attack you and, and to make moves that are advantageous to you. You don't go to war unless you've already won. This, these have been principles that have been guiding for me all this time. So now that we find ourselves in this critical moment and we're facing you know, the, what seems to be this inevitable uh, precipice of destruction moment or whatever you want to call it, uh, days of darkness, uh, uh, I do think it's going to get very dark. And like I've said a little bit earlier, it's not going to be a fun experience to go through. I think that all of us are, on one level are going to rejoice because we're going to know that the end is dear. But on the other hand, uh, it's going to be very real. I don't know if anyone out there has ever been uh, done one of those virtual realities uh, rides. I, I remember I took my kids recently to an arcade and my my little one saw the virtual reality ride and he wanted to go on it. I had never been on one of these things before. And so I look at it. And it's got the little virtual reality helmets, of course, that hang down. But it's got these carts that just kind of tilt up and back and forth and they, you know, side to side, but nothing crazy. So I thought to myself, OK, that's, you know, I think my five year old could probably handle that. And then we get on there. And even though, you know, it's not real, once those goggles go on and they put things over your ears and you can't hear anything outside and, and you're, you're you're locked into that experience, let me tell you. When that thing tilts forward, you feel like you're falling off a building. You feel like you're on a roller coaster, even though you're not. And so I think in a lot of ways, we're going to recognize that we're going through a simulation, but it's still going to feel very real and it's still going to be very scary. And I think it's going to be a, you know, a harrowing experience for all of us. But I don't think that it's going to go on and, uh, and drag on to a point where it's going to be, I'll just say, counterproductive, because that's not the point. What we want to do is we want to have a pause, but we don't want to bring society, you know, we don't want to see society come uh, implode on itself either. And I think that along those lines, the White Hats have all of this mapped out. I think this is where we're going to see a whole bunch of aces, uh, a lot of individuals step forward who we thought were bad, that are actually good, maybe people we thought who were dead, who actually aren't. I think a lot of these cards are going to get played in that period to balance off a lot of the shock and the awe that people experience as the result of this. So, all right, guys. Well, it's been about, uh, it's been over two hours now. And uh, I think uh, I did the best I could to answer your questions. So hopefully you guys enjoyed. I really do appreciate uh, the folks out there. Uh, we've had quite a few people right now in the audience. We've got about over 2,500 people 
uh, who are watching the show. And I really do appreciate everybody out there uh, who is who is tuned in. And certainly my panel tonight, you guys have been awesome. Uh, kind of helped me uh, get get going here. And uh, you asked some really great questions. So I really do appreciate that. So I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be back soon, everyone. I promise uh, I'm gonna get another situation analysis report done soon. It's been very difficult for me. Uh, I've had a lot of things going on uh, behind the scenes. I've got an upcoming uh, roundtable with uh, Kerry Cassidy and Gene Decode. Uh, it's gonna be I think uh, next Wednesday. So folks can look forward to that. And hopefully between now and then, I'll have the opportunity to do another show. But if I don't, like I said, I'll be I'll be back soon. God bless and Godspeed, everybody.